0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I am Natalie Barron, your host, and I'm so glad you are here. And I have to say, I'm so excited for my loyal listeners, and I'm just so appreciative that you come back week after week and listen to the episode. And I'm super, super touched and grateful for the reviews that you've been leaving My latest review is from Dana Long Matthews, and she writes, this is the best podcast. It's really inspiring, and I love hearing stories from powerful women living their best life. Highly recommend it. Dana, thank you so much. It means the world to me, and I'm so, so grateful. So thank you for taking the time out of your super busy day to give the podcast a little love. I greatly appreciate it. So, I have to tell you, you are in for such a special treat today. We are covering so much in today's episode. So, if you ever worry about money and how you're gonna get more of it, please stay tuned because you're in the right place. If you are wondering if you are too old to pivot into a different career, stay tuned. You are in the right place. If you are ever wondering how to turn a rejection into a hell yes, stay tuned. You are in the right place. My guest today I am so excited about. Her name is Chelly Campbell. And before I get into describing Chelly's background and telling you what a powerhouse woman she is, I want to give you a little background on Chelly. So I was at a Women's Leadership Conference towards the end of February this year, right before COVID hit. Um, it was actually the last in-person event that I attended right before COVID. And there were breakout rooms for different topics. And Chelly was doing one called The Wealthy Spirit. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. I walk in the room and I see this tiny powerhouse of a woman who has just lit up the room with her personality. And she's engaging with the audience before the... Talk starts. And the one thing I notice is Chelly has on, you know, business attire. She's dressed very nicely. And she has these bright gold tennis shoes on that are just so bright. They're lighting up the room almost as much as Chelly's personality. So I listen to Chelly's talk, which is so engaging. She is a brilliant storyteller and she has so much fun. Her energy is literally infectious. So right after she spoke, I went up to her and I said, look, I have a podcast. I, would, I was just starting the podcast at that time. And I said, I would love to have you on the show. Would you agree? And she's like, oh my gosh, let's connect. Let's talk. Let's do it. And she was just all in. And that's what I love about Chelly is she is just all in in everything she does. So now that you have a little background about my history with Chelly, I would like to formally introduce Chelly Campbell. Chelly is the creator of the Financial Stress Reduction Workshop. She's the author of three books, The Wealthy Spirit, Zero to Zillionaire, and From Worry to Wealthy. They've been published in seven countries, six languages. And I love Chelly's philosophy about what she teaches in these workshops. She's not teaching people the typical, you know, how to ride the stock market, how to invest what to do with your money, she's really talking about money mindset and having a wealthy spirit. And I invite you to listen in and think about what that means to you as she's talking through the episode. I also love that she says for over 30 years, she's been treating money disorders, which are spending bulimia and income anorexia. She teaches you how to overcome these in her financial stress reduction workshops. So stay tuned and you can find Chelly's information and the links to her books in the show notes. And as I mentioned, Chelly is just a maverick. She's a powerhouse woman. I could listen to Chelly tell stories all day long. She's so inspiring. And I will say at 72 years young, If you think you're too old to start something new, to try something new, to have a new career, to put yourself out there, listen to Chelly because Chelly knows where it's at. She is full of energy. She's full of curiosity. She's full of solutions and ideas. And I guarantee you, if you listen to the episode today, you will take at least two tips that you will walk away with that will help you play a bigger game ask for more money, or take that jump to do something that you have been passionate about doing. So I invite you to listen in to my new, feisty, fun, financial guru friend, Chelly Campbell. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. So, Chelly, I am so excited you are here today on my podcast. I have been looking forward to this interview for months.
1: Yay! I'm so glad <laughs> to be here.
0: Yes, I have to tell you, you know, it's few and far between that someone just really knocks my socks off. And, you know, I met you at the leadership conference back in February, which was crazy because... It feels like two that ha- years ago. It does. What? It feels like so long ago. And I was a participant, you were a speaker, and I went to your seminar, and I honestly didn't, I hadn't met you before, and I didn't know really what you were going to be speaking about, and I was so mesmerized by your talk that day, your energy, and I also have to add, your glitter gold sneakers. So... I just absolutely loved it, and I loved you, and I remember going up to you right after you spoke, and I just said, "Chelly, I love you. Will you be on the podcast? And so here we are months later, and I am so glad you're here.
1: I'm so glad to be here. It was so
0: great meeting you that day. It was great. So if you could share a little bit about your background and your story with my audience, I would love that.
1: Yes. Let me start by saying I am now 72. And let me just let everybody know that older is better. You just get wisdom (laughs) along the way and you figured some stuff out, you know, because you're trying and experimenting and then you go, okay, that works. Keep that in throughout your life. And I'm always meeting people who are younger or who are going, well, I don't know what my purpose is. So I like to start by telling everybody you're on your purpose right now. You're there, you're, everything that happens to you is part of it. It's your training, it's your learning, it's your growing, and then it's your sharing with others. So you're growing in wisdom every day. So just, just take that to heart and don't worry about it. Am I on my purpose? Because there were times when my life made no sense at all. Because when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was sing and dance for a living. And I then I sang and danced for a living and I went, this is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the, the thing that got me out of it was I did a show at Disneyland singing and dancing, five shows a day, five days a week for nine months. I had never been that bored in my entire life. <laughs>
0: So I went, funny. Oh, no,
1: what am I going to do now? But I was sort of auditioning and things. I, I would take secretarial temporary jobs and I got this one job and it, it was an employment agency and it was a small group of like 10 people and they were all smiling and having a good time. And I love that. That's what I liked about acting was creating the show with some right. talented creative people. So I went, well, this is really fun. And on day three, the president came by my desk and said, we'd like you to go full-time permanent. I said, well, I can't do that. I'm an actress. I have to go on auditions in the middle of the day. He goes, well, okay, you can go. We'll just pay you for the hour, by the hour for the hours you work. And I went, oh, that's a dream job for an actor. You can go. Oh, got an audition. See ya. And it's okay. So I said, okay, but Five months later, their office manager quit, and they promoted me into that job. And I said, "But that's finance. I don't know anything about that." They said, "Well, you're a smart cookie. We'll teach you. You'll learn it." And I went, "Okay," because, you know, uh, when I'm about to take a risk, I consider the downside. If it's not death, I do it. (laughs) You know, you got to go for things. You got to try stuff out. I mean, maybe I would be brilliant at it. Or maybe I'll suck, in which case I'll go back and do the other job. You know, what's the big penalty here? So I went for it and discovered I loved it. I loved organizing. I lo- It was business I left not just the finance. It uh-huh. was that we can make more money if we do this. I'm going to input a system. And then when we open that branch office, we can do all the accounting up here. So it's going to save you a lot of money. And I just started saying no to the auditions. And so now after 16 years singing and dancing, only acting as my goal, now I'm an office manager handling finances for a business, but I was having a good time. See, that's the number one thing. You gotta be having a good time in life. Don't wait till you retire. All the financial people are always saying, oh, well, you got to save all your money, work hard, save all your money for retirement. You know, 29% of the American public doesn't even make it to age 65.
0: Wow. Yeah. I actually didn't know that.
1: Uh huh. It's a startling mm-hmm. number. What would you guess? Let me put you on the spot for a second. Yeah. For all of you listening, put yourself on the spot and think how you would answer this question. What percentage of the American public is age 65 and over?
0: Well, I'm going to guess a lot because I, there's a lot of boomers, right, mm-hmm. uh, out there. So I would say at this point, 35 percent, 40 percent?
1: Between 30 and 40 percent is what's most often guessed. The actual figure is 13. Really? Yeah. Now, I gave that in a speech once, and this woman who was a financial planner in the room, she goes, that's not true, right out in the middle of my speech. And I said, yes, it is. And I'll, t- I'll show you where to find it. It's the 2010 United States Census.
0: Wow. It is
1: hard to find this information because all the financial planners in the world want to tell you to save all your money for retirement because that's how they make a living, right?
0: Right. And are we
1: taught finances in our school system? No. No.
0: (laughs) We are not.
1: So we're all blind. So we listen to what we see on the news and the advertising and the stock market and the blah, blah. And, you know, it's just not so. So I tell people, you need to be doing work that fulfills you and makes you happy right now because we spend too much time working most of our waking lives is work. If we're not enjoying it, I mean, I might be alone here, but I think life is to have fun.
0: I completely agree. You're not alone there, Shelley, at all. (laughs) Not not at all. So so you're in this role. Yeah, you're in this finance role. You're loving it. Yeah, you're having fun. The work culture is great. Yeah. And then so so what next? Well,
1: then there was a recession, the company started not doing well, they wouldn't take my advice anymore. And I go, they're not going to make it. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do next? Well, maybe I'd like to work on the other side of the camera. Well, what's the best way to figure that out? Well, go work for a producer. So I got a job working for a producer. And I did that for two years. And I thought, no, show business is not something I want to be in. Because they were yellers and screamers, you know, and treated people badly. I I hated it. So I said, oh, God, what I really love with that is like financial job. Could I find that again? And two days later, I opened the paper and there's an ad for a uh, bookkeeper with managerial experience to run a small bookkeeping uh, company. So I took it. I went on the, on the interview. And let me tell you the really great thing about being an actor. Your job is to look for work, really. The time you spend working is not as much time as you spend looking for work, like auditioning. It's like going on job interviews, so when right. I go on an interview for a real job like bookkeeping, I can out interview anybody because I I just put myself <laughs> in the part. Well, I'm I'm making a sale here. I know what they want. I'm going to tell them I have that. And one of their number one things is, can you work with difficult people? I said, honey, I've been in show business for the last eight years. <laughs> you gotta you gotta understand what they were screaming and yelling and and they just said, you're hired. They assumed that I knew a level of bookkeeping that I didn't know.
0: And And, so what did you do?
1: uh, I got two books, Accounting the Easy Way and Bookkeeping Made Simple, and I read every (laughs) night. (laughs) And when they'd ask me a question, I'd say, well, I'm new and I'm working on something else, so let me get back to you tomorrow about that. I go home and I read And uh, there was another guy who worked in the company who was studying for his CPA exam at UCLA. So I took him aside after a couple of weeks. And I said, you know, this level of bookkeeping, I think I know, I don't know. He goes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I said, but, you know, we're in a mess here and we got a lot of angry clients and I'm going to make sure that I satisfy them you cover me on the technical end. I'll cover you on all the angry people. And I'm going to build this company. I'm going to hire some more people and I'll get you a
0: raise in 90
1: days. Deal. He goes, deal. And I did
0: it. I did it. Oh my God. I love you. I love you. (laughs) So, so, so Shelley, how did you, how did you figure out how to be so fearless? Because that's that's really the the epitome of fearlessness of just going for what you want, even if you're quite frankly not even qualified, which so many of my female clients and listeners mm-hmm. are so afraid to take that next step, yeah, right? They're so and fear can be very debilitating. yeah and you just you just blew right past all of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I had my fears but you know auditioning over and over and over for parts you just get used to rejection and then it doesn't matter anymore oh they didn't like me for that oh they wanted a blonde oh they wanted somebody who was six foot two you know I I can't help that so I just knew they told me when I was auditioning for commercials they said you're gonna get one out of every 30 auditions. That was the ratio. Mm -hmm. So when I'm about to take a risk, I'm really looking at the risk reward ratio. Well, what am I going to get if I take this risk and it works? Then life is going to be really cherry. It's going to be great. What if I take the risk and it doesn't work? Well, if the downside wasn't that bad, you know, it's like, okay, then you don't get the promotion. Okay. Then you don't get that job. You go next. When I was yep. when I was writing my first book, I went and took a class from Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Very successful. I want to learn from them, right? So Jack says, well, along the way of looking for a publisher and an agent and all of that, you're going to get rejected a lot. So I have a four letter word for you to use when that happens. So I'm going, yeah, what? And he <laughs> writes on the whiteboard. He goes up and he writes, next. I love it, you know. And that's it. what they do in showbiz: you audition and you you sing eight bars, and they go, "Okay, thank you, next."
0: <laughs> well, and what I, what I love is you're really, you know, in so many ways, building a practice around setting up expectations for failure. Yes, it's like if you know what you just know that that's going to happen. Then you just have that mindset about it, then you're not afraid about it. You're not afraid of it anymore. It's
1: okay that it happens. Now I always visualize myself getting it, and it's gonna be great and it's wonderful. But in the audition somewhere, you can sort of tell if they're liking you or if they're not liking you. I'll tell you a funny story. I went an audition for a commercial. And it was for Pillsbury Flower, and it was going to run in the South, the deep South. So they wanted an authentic Southern accent. So before going on the audition, I said to my boyfriend, I said, eh, I probably shouldn't even bother. You know they're going to pick somebody who's really from the South. And he said, have you ever listened to yourself after you talked to your mother? Because my mother was (laughs) from Mississippi. (laughs) I said, no. He said, call up your mom, talk to her for 10 minutes, go on the audition. So I walk in there and, and I see this panel of people and they say hi. And I say, hi, y'all. And, and they said, well, <laughs> Chelly, that's an interesting name. I said, it's a southern name from Mississippi. My mother was Chelly Linnell. My grandmother was Chelly Estelle. My cousin is Chelly Lou and I'm Chelly Lynn. And they said, you're hired.
0: <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah.
1: So, even the things That's you think, perfect. oh, for sure, I'm not getting this. Oh, you never know. Because sometimes, you know, I'm always reading about successful celebrities or whatever. And they were always, you know, before Brad Pitt was Brad Pitt, he was just a guy, you know, oh, good looking guy. But he's just one of dozens of people, hundreds of people. But you know what? They they tell these stories about how they just happen to walk into an audition and they're looking for something that isn't them and they and they just go, well, you know, there's another way you could play this and they play it some other way and the people go, Oh, we like that. That's good. Okay, you can do it. And they get hired.
0: So tell us about so tell us about how the wealthy spirit you are a multiple uh, book author. Yeah. And so tell us about the next phase after you were a bookkeeper. What happened? then? How did you become an author?
1: You know, and uh, the owners of the bookkeeping service were attorneys. They just needed good bookkeeping. They didn't work in it at all. I just reported to them. And After I'd been there for the first year, they said, you know, Chelly, you act like an owner. We think you should be one. So here's 20% of the business. (laughs) And that's when the light bulb about entrepreneur went on. Because when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, there was no picture for a woman business owner. I watched the news. It's delivered by men and it's about men. And then the want ads in the paper were men wanted and women wanted. And guess what? They were different kinds of jobs. Right. So I picked actor because it was the closest thing to business owner I could see in my reality at that time. But then when I had this bookkeeping service and I went, ooh, I have 20% ownership. Now I can really make some money here. What do I need to do? And all of my activities shifted. But then along the way, as I had 13 employees at one point, I, I, bought, I bought my partners out after four years. And uh, then I, I I saw that all of these people that were my clients couldn't handle the money. They just they mm. didn't know. And they were making all kinds of mistakes that I could see. I just had a natural facility for seeing it. So I started meeting with them and saying, you know, you're really losing money on this thing. You're making a lot of profit on this. And why did you spend $3,000 on this last year? So three of them in the same week said, you should teach this. I went, oh, I could teach. I've been to seminars to learn things. I I could, you know, i got something good here. I can give people some pointers. So I wrote a flyer and I mailed it out and
0: uh, I sold it.
1: And when I saw I could sell it, then I wrote it.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that.
1: I'm driven by deadline. You know, you gotta, there's gotta be money in it. And and then when I have 12 people gonna show up to take this class, then I wrote it. And it went great from the beginning. So there was another transition. And that's when I realized my whole life had been training me to do this. That right. all of the acting skills gave me the ability to stand up in front of people and have a lot of stories and interesting points to make. And then all the financial skills were what needed to be taught because people aren't getting that information. So when I started teaching, I went, oh. now there was no such thing as a coach in those days, there were seminar leaders. And right. Jimmy Robbins had an infomercial running 24 uh, 7. Uh, uh. I don't want to do that thing. That looks like a performance. That doesn't interest me. I wanted to make mine like rehearsal, where I just have a small group, talented people. Let's get focused on the money and fix it. And then people said, "You should write a book." And I said, "No, no, 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 no. I read books. They're amazing. I can't believe people put all of that together. I don't think I can do that. I can write. I can write a story. I can write a letter." I can't do that until I saw about eight years. I saw that what I was teaching people was really working and I had some unique takes on things and maybe I should write it down. And I checked with a couple of people and they said, Yeah, yeah, write a book. And so that's when I went to Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield's thing. you know, went about getting an agent and getting a publisher. And then I wrote The Wealthy Spirit, which was easy for me to write because it's a page a day for every day of the year. And each page is a story, a quote, an affirmation. So it's like a workable thing that you can work your way through it and get some good pointers and practice while you're reading the book. So I like that. And I thought I was a genius with this idea until I'd written a 100 of them and went, Oh, now I have two hundred and sixty-five <laughs> more to do. Oh. I'd go, to but, the you, kept, I'd but go, you kept. But you kept going. God, please send stories.
0: <laughs> but you kept going, and yeah. you finished. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then share with the audience the story about your book coming to life, because I think that's an interesting story as well.
1: Which part of it? I mean, there's lots of pieces to that.
0: The well, the one where basically you, the publisher said yes. And yes. then a few days later, yes. Right.
1: So um, actually my agent said this publisher was interested in your book. Oh, you want the story where I had the deal and then the deal fell through. Huh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So what happened was um, I had a conversation with this editor at Harper, San Francisco the parent company was Harper Collins one of the big 8 in New York and he he had a series of books 365 365 goddess 365 dow and he thought 365 money would work so i said fabulous so we had a deal i announced it to the world i sent out a newsletter i told everybody at every networking group and 4 days later they canceled it and i went why And it was because the parent company, HarperCollins, had just signed another woman to do a page a day book about money. And so they couldn't conflict, they they had to drop me because they had gotten to her first. And I'm sorry, I just wailed, I just cried so hard. I went to bed, I turned the electric blanket up to mother, and uh, I just I just sobbed. I thought that was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. cause not uh, there wasn't a page a day book about money. That was my unique selling point, right. So the next morning, I woke up. Anger is a useful tool. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be able to get enraged. Well, that isn't fair. Well, that shouldn't have happened. And then I go, okay, well, maybe that should happen. Okay, God. Then I want another publisher. There's 6,000 publishers out there and I'm going to get me one and you see to it. (laughs) You know, give marching instructions to the universe. It's, It's a good thing. But it made me empowered again. And I said, okay, what do I need to switch? What can be better? And I just kept on moving. And then my agent found another publisher at Sourcebooks. And this editor, Deb, called me up and she said, uh, "Okay, well, I really like what you've written. I think I can work with you. You know, there's some things that should be changed. And I said, well, like what? And she said, well, first of all, all the affirmations have to come out of the book. And I went, what? (laughs) And I'm thinking, yeah, this one isn't going to happen either. But now I got cocky and I said, oh, yeah, why do you think that? She said, well, Shelly, there's 97 affirmation books out there. I can't go to my 40 salespeople and say we're doing another affirmation book. I said, oh, you think everybody knows this already? She goes, well, yeah. I said, well, let me ask you a question. She goes, what? I said, are you doing them? She goes, huh? (laughs) I said, are you doing them? Positive affirmations about money specifically every day. She goes, well, no, I'm not. I said, well, then I challenge you. I have my fabulous 14 abundance affirmations. People swear by these. I've been giving them out for years. They're on my website, chelly.com. You can get them and download them for free. I gave them to her and I said, I want you to do these every day. And for 21 days, that's how it becomes a habit. But just practice this. Think positive thoughts always about money and do these every day. And to not do them would be to have contempt prior to investigation. Ooh, <laughs> and she goes, yeah. okay, I'll do them. I said, okay, talk to you in three weeks. So now I, I get home from a long day, and I see there's an a-, a message on my voicemail. And it's this woman, Deb, and she goes, I just got out of acquisitions, and we'd love to publish your book. <laughs> and I couldn't even call her then because she's on the. East closed and it was closed, you know. So I had to right. wait till first thing in the morning. And I I called her up and I said, So oh, we're gonna do it." And she said, "Yes." I said, "Okay."
0: <laughs> yes, and so what? So now you have four books, three. three, right? Three books, and you've been in good housekeeping. You've been on over a hundred radio shows. Yes. You've been in the LA Times. You've been in women's world. You have been everywhere. <laughs> you're famous. Oh, I mean yeah. you're literally- in a
1: little way, in a little corner of the universe. I'm I'm well known.
0: Yes, and run. you've been in you've been in Jack um Jack Cornfield's book or Jack Canfield. Canfield. I've been Canfield, in two sorry. of his books. Yeah.
1: One of the chicken right. soup for the souls and also another book called You've Got to Read This Book. Fifty-five people tell the story of the book that changed their life. So Right. So, that changed my life, by the way, was a book called When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. Big, big thing for women. They don't want to displease anybody. You know, I had to work to get out of the good girl box, but you got to get out of it.
0: (laughs) I think we've all struggled with that, right? And I think you're such a great example. So You know, so here you are, you've published, you know, multiple books, you've been everywhere, you have your own business. And what I love about your business specifically is, you're right, there are a lot of financial planners out there, Mm -hmm. and your workshops are not somewhere that you go to learn about the stock market and to learn about the bond market and everything else. So can you share with my listeners what you teach in your workshops? And, you know, I I would just love for you to share that.
1: Thank you. Well, what I noticed uh, along uh, my travels in life and my investigations of a lot of things, and I'm a big time reader, so I read in all kinds of philosophy, spirituality, everything. And what I noticed working with money was that a lot of the wealthy people had no spirit and the spiritual people were all broke. And I said, (laughs) what's wrong with this picture? I think the spiritual people ought to have the most money because they're going to go do good with it, right? They're afraid of the energy because they think that's materialistic and I don't want to be that. Listen, we're spiritual beings having a material
0: existence.
1: I think that means we're supposed to master both of them, not deny one or the other. Doesn't that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: See, everything I do is all calculated from, does it make sense? Does it work? Would it, If everybody in the world was like that, how would the world be? Well, I think it'd be fabulous if all the spiritual, loving, giving people had a lot of money. So I put that into my program, too. It's called financial stress reduction, not because it's addressing broke people who don't have any money. I've had millionaires take my class. But they don't know where the money goes, or they have some stressors about where it has to be paid to, or they have debt. See, you know, you can be debt just as easily at 10 million as at 10,000. All you have yeah. to do is owe a little bit more than you got. <laughs> it's and that's true. a habit it's... pattern. So I wanted people to change their thinking and change their habit patterns. So I did a lot of studies on metaphysics, how our minds work. You know, positive affirmations work because you create your reality from what you focus on. You focus on negative things, you get more negative things, You focus on positive things, you get more positive. And it isn't like magic words. I had a little saying, it's the law of attraction, not the law of abracadabra. Okay, <laughs> It's like, you know, people sometimes go, oh, I'm making lots of money, oh, I'm. and they're sitting on the couch expecting money to rain down on them in their house. And I just go, uh huh. Well, how many affirmations do you think you'd have to say in front of a piano before you can play it? Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you got to go take lessons. So that's the second part. Think positive, but then take action. I call it sending out ships. Because the first one London in the 1800s used to build these tall masted clipper ships. There's an old movie, 1939, starring Tyrone Power called Lloyds of London. And it's about the 1800s and how the insurance company got started insuring these ships because not all the ships make it home, right? They'd send out the ship one day, supposed to trade in foreign ports for gold and jewels and silks and spices and then come sailing back. And then on the day that the merchant, their ship comes sailing in and it's laden with all this treasure, on that day, the merchant's fortune is made. And that's where the expression, waiting for my ship to come in, comes from.
0: I did not know that. I learned something new today. Yeah, that's it.
1: But some people are going down to the dock, waiting for their ship to come in, but they didn't send any out. (laughs) You know, you can't just send out one and wait because it could take two years. Plus, stuff happens to ships. There's Pirates of the Caribbean. There's Mutiny on the Bounty. You know, there's the Titanic So, you got to send out multiple ships. So, your job as a business owner is to send out sales calls, you know, send out ships, show up and speak, write a book, have a podcast where people are going to know you and then ask you about your program and how much does it cost and when can I take it and how can I work with you further. That's all ship sending. But some people are like keeping their ships in the harbor and never send them out, or they send out leaky rowboats that sink halfway out of the harbor. You know, we got to be building cruise ships,
0: merchant marine vessels, uh, aircraft carriers, at least lots, yes. right? <laughs> no, it's so it's so true. And I and so on this point, because you're really talking about mindset, and yeah. what you're what you're talking to, to people about is really helping them get comfortable with money and, and, and worth and their own self-worth, right? And this is so, 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 so important for women specifically. Yes. So I want to talk about a couple of things. Mm -hmm. One is you talked about, you know, going out and making sales. Yes. Um, So can you give us your number one secret for turning a cold call into a gold call? Yes. Number
1: one. You do not call people to pitch your service, even if they've emailed you or called you and left a message and say, I want to hear about your program. I'm really interested. I think I want to buy it. If you call and pitch them now, you're losing them because what they want to know more than anything is that you can help them specifically them with their issues, their problems, their money situation. Have you ever worked with somebody like them before? Have you ever worked with somebody in their business before? You cannot make this sale because you have to ask them questions. Number one, the gold call system is ask questions. Get to know this person. Hi, thank you so much for calling. Or you can be proactive and you've been at a networking group. You see some people that are the kind of people that takes your program and you can call them up and say, hey, it was great meeting you at that networking meeting. Tell me about yourself. I see that you are doing accounting. How long have you been doing that? And what do you like about it? And have you ever done anything else before that? And how did you come to California or, you know, it's just. It's first date questions. What's your sign? You can even go there, you know, with some people depending on who they are. If they're wearing batik tie-dyed stuff, ask them their sign. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. So it's two, really about,
0: yeah, it's really about getting to know people and really connecting with people yeah. before you just go in for the cold call.
1: And there's two things here. First of all, they can reject you and you can reject them. Because you don't want to work with people that are going to be a pill, a pain in the butt. A friend of mine said, don't drag them in because then you have to drag them around.
0: I heard that too. I use that. I, I, I share that with other coaches as well.
1: I love that
0: so much. I do too. <laughs> so I've true. done that.
1: I've made that mistake. I've convinced people to come and then it's just awful. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So when you're talking about mindset, and I think this is really important for my particular audience of, you know, mostly women, you know, and I'm going to make some generalizations here. Women, I think a lot of women are sending out the rowboats and they're sending out the dinghies because they don't feel like they're worth the yacht or the big merchant machine ship or the Titanic. And so I see women in my private practice, from a money perspective, Mm -hmm. they're waiting too long to ask for promotions. They're not asking for raises often and soon enough. Mm -hmm. They have upper limit syndrome, which is they reach a a point in their career where they reach the limit that they always dreamed about reaching, achieving that amount of wealth and income. Mm -hmm. And then literally they will self-sabotage themselves if they go above that to become to get below that. So I see women struggling with money and then also women who own their own businesses who aren't charging enough for their services, who are really undervaluing mm-hmm. what they bring to the table. So can you address that You know, for the women in my How audience? How long have we got?
1: I mean, you know,
0: really? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a whole book on this. Well, which, what's the name of the book so my audience can...
1: From Worry to Wealthy.
0: And I wrote
1: this book because I had been working with a lot of women with just the exact problems that you were thinking. And I noticed that what they did is they would go, okay, what's the least amount of money I can charge and still live? And then they go ask for that. Well, there's no room for profit or disasters or somebody doesn't pay you. You know, When you're running a business and even if it's just you I mean, I had a business with employees and now it's just me. I created a job for myself, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I have to make allowances for the things that won't work. And one of my clients, one, she said she had a refu account, I said, refu, what's that? She said, reserve for over optimism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to be prepared for if there's a downside, what am I going to do? So. There is a wonderful book I recommend to everybody. It's called Women Don't
0: Ask. I have that book.
1: Yes, I love that book. I love this book so much because women don't ask. They do, They look at the promotion that's posted. A man looks at it. If he has 60% of the qualifications, he applies. It, a woman doesn't even want to apply unless she has 95% of the qualifications. Well, you're going to learn on the job. If you knew everything about the job today, you would already have that job. So, of course, you're going to be in out of your comfort zone. That's the thing. Women have to get comfortable being out of the comfort zone, which I acknowledge I got trained that way by being an actor and going on the auditions, even though I didn't get picked more times than I did get picked. But you learn to live on the times you win. So you hear no 20 times, but you hear yes twice. So so your ratio is 10 to one. So if you want to make a sale, you got to call 10 people. I had a vice president of sales at Walt Disney Corporation say it this way. Let's say your sale is $500 and it takes you 10 people to get to that 500. It says you made $50 with every one of those 10 calls. It's just Mm. you collected on the 10th. But it I love that. those other nine. And I just love that. And I went, well, that's like show business. OK, I can do that. So my, right. my job is to make calls. My, my job is to send out ships. I don't know who's going to say yes. I have no stake in you saying yes when I am on the phone with you. My job is to is to talk to you and make a new friend. That's my hope. That's the worst that can happen. I make a new friend, somebody at the next me- networking group, I can say, hey, Sherry, how you doing? You know, and right. Sherry might refer somebody to me. That's a big sale. I want the hundred people she knows more than I just want her.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: That's the yep. way to do that.
0: And so why do you think women, um, especially in business, are who own their own businesses, mm-hmm. um, do you see a lot of women underpricing their products? Oh, yeah. All or or services. Yeah. Yes. And so what advice would you give them?
1: Well, the thing is that, well, you you have to do positive affirmations that you're worth money and money comes to you easily and effortlessly. And then you've got to work out your financial budget. Now, I say budget stands for baby, you deserve getting everything. So, yes. right? I like yes. to make everything user-friendly. People don't want a budget because they're afraid that it's going to tell them they can't have the lifestyle they want. Well, maybe not today. You're not going to get everything today. So you have a low, a medium, and a high budget. But then what you're doing see, the reason that women have a bad relationship to money is that we're taught not to ask. That's from this book. But my experience already taught me that the woman is like dating. The woman is supposed to wait for the man to call, it's supposed to wait for the man to ask him out, it's supposed to wait for the man to propose marriage. It is not equal there. So then when we're in school, we're great. Here's the assignment. We do it. We get a gold star and an A. When we go to work, we get an assignment. We get a, we get a gold star, but we don't get the A. We don't get the money because you have to ask and negotiate for the money. And men know to do that because they've had to get rejected. And you know, if they wanna to go to the dance, they gotta find a girl to say yes. And they'll ask 20 girls until they get one who says yes. A girl has to wait and try and prep and look beautiful and angle a guy, you know, it's all BS. But it's like every dating book out there is some form of wait and manipulate. You're not taught to take the bull by the horns
0: and go for it. It's so it's that is so true. And I actually never thought about it from that perspective, but you're so right. We were all raised like that. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think, you know, my kids gen- generation, they're teenagers now. I think it's. It's changing slightly, you know. I, I I think gender roles and all of that. I think it's getting better. It's definitely but, you know, getting better, right? But but there still is this feeling of you know the guy asks the girl out and you're yeah. waiting and you're you're not asking and men are still proposing to women yeah. and so you're right. It's this socialization yes. that has been set up since we were young and I I think that is key to why women. Don't and then ask. We have and a they male really boss,
1: and we expect that male boss to notice how fabulous we're doing and how much extra overtime we put in and expect to get a raise and a bonus and the promotion. And the promotion comes along, and a guy gets it who had less experience than us. And what's that about? And then we're angry and resentful. And let me tell you, anger and resentment don't sell. So then we go into the boss. Well, I demand, I should have gotten that job, and I've done it. And that doesn't make the sale with this guy. You've got to go in with documents, with evidence, with this is what people in my position are paid at X, Y, and Z corporation, but I'm only getting X. Now, is there some reason for that in your mind? Is there something I have done wrong? Is there something that I have failed to do? Here are my contributions, by the way. Okay.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love it. No, I love it. And so... Chili, tell us about your, your workshop. How long do they last? Yes. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about the, the Wealthy Spirit Workshop. Thank you.
1: It's actually called the Financial Stress Reduction Workshop.
0: But it could yes, be sorry. The, wealthy the Wealthy Spirit, spirit No, but know, the what? Wealthy Spirit is your book. Yes, you're right. Right.
1: So the workshop is two hours a week for eight weeks. So every week we deal with mindset, we deal with gold calling, we deal with sending out ships, we deal with the budgeting, we deal with time management, making more money in less time so that you can have time to play because that's a big factor in what I'm teaching. You've got to be having fun. And if you're working 24-7, you're making a big mistake in life. And I've made that mistake before. So I know, all right, I've made pretty much all the mistakes. (laughs) So <laughs> I've experienced. <laughs> and then what do you do when things don't work out and the, the ships sink and you're in trouble? What do you do? That? You go on low budget, you know, you get busy doing something. And then what's it all about, Alfie? What's the spiritual component to your life? What makes it fun for you? What makes it meaningful for you? When I first started speaking, it was really hard for me because I had to be me. I could get up in front of people as a character in a play. But being myself, I didn't quite know how to do it. But I found one day when I was thinking about me, 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 and I connected with the audience in front of me, I went, oh, they don't care about my hair if I spilled something on my suit. They want financial stress reduction. And I have that and I can help them. And I said, God, please put the words in my mouth that need to be heard today to help somebody. And all my fear drained out. That's where I got fearless. I'm fearless because I have something that can help help people. Not everybody, just my people. There's two kinds of people, your people and not your people. I'm looking for my people, the ones that need the message that I have. And when we get that, oh, my God, it's beautiful. So, oh, and I wanted to say I have Facebook Live videos, 10 minutes a day from the pages of my page a day book, The Wealthy Spirit on Facebook. It costs $27 to belong and you get a video every day. So, and a team of dolphins, great people. I call them dolphins as opposed to sharks and tuna. (laughs) sharks are bad tuna are sad and dolphins are glad so I have a bunch of people we're all reading the book together and we talk about things and it's really fun so
0: I love it and so I'll put the information in the show notes for my listeners if they're interested in joining and I also put your um, your books there as well So, they have access to the links so they can um, look those up on Amazon. Actually. And – I love Amazon
1: because people can actually look inside the book and read some stuff and go if it's for them or not. They can buy it.
0: No, it's great. And you bring up a great point because you have inspired me so much. I will tell you that this is the first podcast I'm doing with a video included. Yeah. And I will tell you it's because of you. So, I have – Yes, it is. And I will tell you the reason why. I have so many, you know, sometimes as a coach, like you learn from your clients and the things that you need to learn. And you also learn from others because I'm always on a mission to learn and continue to grow myself. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I have so many clients who are in their 40s or just turning 50 or in their early 50s who are saying, I've had this career, XYZ career for so long. It's not fulfilling. It doesn't I'm not passionate about it anymore. I want to figure out what makes my heart sing. Mm-hmm. And but I'm too old. I think I'm too no. old to to learn something new. I think I'm too old to get into this new career and I met Chelly Campbell at this conference and I was like, "You know what? I have to have her on because you are so inspiring. I have not done a Facebook Live yet, and I will say yet because um, I think that's an important word, and you have inspired me. Here you are at 72, and you are a social media maverick. You are out there doing Facebook Lives. You have streaming. I just learned how to do them in February. I know, and you're and oh. you're doing them daily, and you are amazing, and the value that you give, I suggest everyone go to Chelly. <laughs> and check out her facebook lives. Yay. And I just love that at 72 years young, you are still learning and growing and challenging yourself. So what would you say to my listeners who think in their 40s and 50s that it's too late or they're past their prime? I, what, what advice do you have to give them?
1: There's a wonderful book called Delusions by Richard <clears throat> excuse me, Richard Bach, who wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And he says, if you want to know if your purpose in life has been accomplished, check and see if you're alive. If you are, it hasn't been. And one of my idols is a man I discovered called Harry Bernstein. And he published his first book when he was 95. And he had tried to publish a book and was writing and writing and could never get a publisher until he was 95. And some publisher pulled it off the slush pile and went, this is great, and published it. He wrote three more books that got published before he passed away at age 101. And what he said was, the 90s were the most productive years of my life. Okay, I'm waiting for the 90s. I got more to do.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. I I I just I, I absolutely adore you. I do. Thank you are you. such a you're such, you <laughs> you're such an inspiration. You're such an inspiration. You this really is are. What
1: happens when you find your people? It's just magical. We just start talking, and we're both talking at the same time, and our eyes are lit up, and we got a <laughs> smile on, it and we got energy because you magnify my energy. I get more, and then I give it to you, and you get more. And it, That's what the flow is between dolphins.
0: It's so true. Mm. It's so true. So, Chelly, do you have any last words of wisdom for my audience? Ah, the
1: last word. Think positive and send out ships. You can't go wrong. Some of the ships will sink, but some of them are going to sail back into your harbor with treasure and be happy every day. Be gratitude all the time. Being thankful, even before you get stuff. I'm thankful for the rich and fabulous life that's coming, that's even better than the one I have now. But thank you, God, for the one I have now. Living gratitude and expectation.
0: I love it. And I know that you, on your website, you do have have 14 affirmations that you give away for free. Can you share just maybe a couple of those with, with us?
1: People love to give me money. (laughs) Isn't that good? You can't say it without smiling. No, you can't. All of that money is the root of all evil and money doesn't grow on trees and all that negative stuff has to die. You gotta be, I am rich and wonderful. Something fabulous is happening to me today. I can feel it. And then you have to feel it. You have to use these to juice up your energy. And then when you go to pick up a phone, you go, hi, how are you? And you have energy instead of thinking about, Oh, I'm so afraid to talk to anybody. Oh, there's the phone. I don't know if they'll like me. Hello. You know, you can't do it like that. <laughs> Think of it's the so best true. phone call you ever had.
0: Then pick up the phone. I love it. Shelly, you are a wealth of wisdom. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you inspiring me, inspiring my audience. It has been a pleasure. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you. I am
1: so grateful to you for letting me talk because I love to do that more than anything.
0: (laughs) You are a wonderful storyteller and I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset